It's interesting that 85% of the people in the world believe in a God and are relating to or connected to some religious group. 85%. That tells me that God created man in a way that he has a desire to relate to God, to know God. It's interesting also that there are over 2,000 or 4,200 different religions in the world. Some estimate there's closer to 4,300. That's an amazing amount. So people ask, why do you believe that Jesus is the, the true and the living God? Why do you believe that Christianity is about Jesus and a relationship with God? Why don't all these other religions equal you know, there are other good people. They're just striving to know God. They want to know God and they want to have a relation. They, most of them want to be good. It's because of the facts. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and tell them it's because of the facts. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about the resurrection facts. It's interesting to me that Paul, in several different places in the book of Acts, that he is recorded as coming to people or to the synagogue, and he begins to reason with them. He reasons with them from the scriptures, it says. God doesn't expect us just to believe. He expects us to observe the facts, to use our mind, to listen and learn and to see everything as it's laid out and then to make a rational decision and believing that Jesus rose from the dead church is a rational decision some people think it's just religious tradition it's kind of a religious holiday it's it's a it's a nice little cutesy thing church it's much more than that aren't you glad it's more than the Easter bunny. It's more than running and hiding eggs, finding them. It's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to read that story to you today. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7, if you, or 27, if you have your Bibles. And I'm going to read the account. Because God, God's Word tells us to preach the Word. It's the Word that's the most important. And so I'm going to read the Christmas story to you, and then I will comment and point out a few things. But let's join together and grasp this great resurrection story. Let's begin with Jesus' death on the cross in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthi, and I. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus 
cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. I want you to notice that. Jesus gave his life. It wasn't taken from him. Verse 51, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We're going to talk about that later. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Verse 57 Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the mother, Mary, sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise." Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and set on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. That's a good place to say hallelujah. (laughs) And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed, He is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. 
We're here to rejoice just like that. Amen? Several years ago, I had a gentleman that came from down south. He just recently had moved to Alaska, to the valley. And he came to me on Easter Sunday and he said, I'm so excited to celebrate Easter. Because the year before, he had gone to a, a mega church with thousands of people on Easter Sunday. And when he had, he had gone into the church, he noticed that there weren't any Easter lilies. There was nothing mentioned about Easter. And he was confused. So he went up to one of the leaders in the church and he said, aren't we celebrating Easter? And the leader told him, he said, well, that, that's an old, old story. And it doesn't really relate to people today. And he was just aghast. He couldn't believe that a leader of a church in a church of thousands that claimed to be a Christian church overlooked Easter. The message wasn't about Easter. They weren't decorated for Easter. Nothing about the service had to do with Easter. He left and he, he never went back to the church. And it reminds me of a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and this is what he says under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. The resurrection is pivotal. It's foundational. If we don't believe that Jesus rose again, then we might as well go home. We might as well shut the doors. We might as well never preach another message about any other subject that's covered in Scripture because it's all in vain if Jesus isn't alive and at the right hand of God the Father today. That's why every Sunday we come and we celebrate because it's on Sunday that He rose again. So every Sunday, we're we're acknowledging the resurrection of Jesus. We're lifting him up and giving him glory. We're making a statement. Everything that we preach is foundational to the fact that Jesus rose on the third day. Amen? And again, it's not about just believing because somebody tells you to believe something. It's about reason. Some people don't study the facts. Some people don't bother. They say, well, oh, it's just another superstitious, you know, myth that goes around. People believe it. I don't believe it. Other people try to change history and come up with all different things. Like there was a hidden secret compartment in the tomb that the disciples knew about and they snuck in and stole the body. There's all kinds of ridiculous things. But church, I want to assure you today that there are hundreds of millions of Christians that are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ with us today. And the greatest evidence for the resurrection, we're going to look at some facts today, but the greatest evidence for the resurrection of Jesus is a heart that has been cleansed and a heart that has surrendered to him and a life that has been changed. 
Amen. He's greater than addiction. He's greater than all the bondage in your life. He is greater than any sin that you've ever committed. His precious blood was shed for us that we might be cleansed. And the resurrection verifies that everything that he did was finished and completed that we might have a relationship with the Father. Aren't you thankful for that today? I want us to look at some things that have to do with the facts. I'm going to just quickly go through them. First of all, Jesus of Nazareth, who claimed to be God, literally died. One of the things you'll hear is, well, he just fainted on the cross and they took him down and they put him in the tomb and, and that cool tomb just revived him. What are the facts? Let's look at some of them. He died a physical, literal death. The guards were charged with making sure that he died. And if they didn't fulfill their job, their, their life could be taken. They were executioners. It was their responsibility. That was what they were good at. They had perfected executing people. And they were in charge. The guards were put there. And it was, the tomb was sealed. Now it's interesting to note that Jesus was not guilty of the charges for which he was executed. Yes, he was guilty of saying that he was the Son of God. And that's what upset the religionist. And the religionist, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious people... They were upset. They said he was mocking God, that he wasn't the Son of God, and they wanted him dead. But Rome was in charge of the executions, and because Rome was in charge, they had to do something to convince Rome that this guy needed to be executed. So they went to the Roman authorities, and they said, this, this man says he's He's God, but he also says he's king, that he's the true king. He wants to overthrow the Roman government. And so that enabled Rome to step in. And even though Pontius Pilate washed his hands of it and said, I find nothing wrong with this man worthy of execution, he gave in and Jesus was sent, went sentenced to death. I want us to see something else, the next fact. Jesus' body was placed in a granite tomb and sealed by the Romans. Scripture tells us that when they set the guard at the tomb, they set the guard, it's interesting, because of the prophecies that Jesus had said. It wasn't a hidden secret between the disciples and Jesus where he said, I'm going to rise again on the third day. Keep it quiet. He was proclaiming it. The word spread. And even the religionist had heard it. They knew what he was prophesying. They knew that he said, after three days, I'm going to rise again. And so that's why they went to the Roman leader and ask we need guards we need to secure this so that the disciples can't go in there and steal his body then we'll have worse problems 
So they convinced the, the Roman leaders to, to give them guards. And these guards were charged and the tomb was sealed. And it was sealed with the greatest power and authority in the entire world in that day. The Roman Empire. So no one was, was going to come and stand up against those guards. No one was going to break that seal because their life would be taken if they did. So we need to see that it was well known. It was well prophesied. It was spoken around. Everyone knew that Jesus had told them that he was going to rise again. Amen? And that's important. Because we need, we need to grasp this, church. The fact that they knew that Jesus had spoken this. It had been prophesied. And they were doing everything that they could to secure his body in that tomb. Everything. So it's a fact. It's, it's, it, the facts that we're reading today, they come from various sources. There were five different men in Scripture that wrote down the accounts of what took place. They were men of integrity, men that we can trust. Even, even Luke, who was a physician, he was one of the most well-respected uh, historians for his accuracy. Even among outside professors and teachers and people who study the books from antiquity. How many realize today that there are over 24,000 copies, original, uh, that date back hundreds and hundreds of years? We have those copies, over 24,000 copies of the New Testament and guess what? We can see every jot and every tittle, as the Bible calls it, every little mark of every little letter, and we know that what they had then is what we have now. There's no other book in history that even comes close. No other book that comes close. The third fact I want us to rejoice about today is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? He was seen by people on many different occasions. One of my favorite verses along this line is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. It says, Then he was seen by over 500 brothers at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present time, though some have passed away. Paul, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, was reminding the, the church in Corinth there wasn't just one or two eyewitnesses or three eyewitnesses. How, how would you feel if you were in court in, in, a, in, a, in a case and when they asked for witnesses, there were over 500 witnesses that said, I am an eyewitness to what happened. Amen? That's the facts. People encountered Jesus alive. It wasn't a ghost. We just read where they, they hugged him. They fell down at his feet. They worshiped him. Church, he's alive and we can rejoice today because he lives. We live also. You say, well, what about the doubters? There were doubters then. There were realists. 
I love Thomas. He's always called Doubting Thomas. I call him Realistic Thomas. He knew Jesus died on the cross. He, he knew what he went through. And he was scared. The rest of the disciples were scared. John was the only one at the cross. Besides Mary and his mother. They were hiding. They were afraid. But aren't you glad today that there's a doubting Thomas because you and I have questions. Most of us are probably realism, realist. Look at, look at what Thomas said here. In John chapter 20, verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and put my fingers in the, in the nail prints and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Then Jesus, in verse 27, said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand here and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered him saying, my Lord and my God. So we have someone who is a realist who said, I'm not going to believe just because you say, just because everybody's seen him but me, I'm not going to believe until I see it for myself, until I experience it for myself. Church, that, that, that makes me feel good. Amen? Because my faith isn't always where it should be. There's times I struggle. And God understands realism. And I can rejoice with you today. And just like Thomas, I've had Jesus come into my heart, come into my life, and he has transformed my life. He's done miracles in my life, miracles in my family. I've experienced all these different things that reaffirm time and time and time again that I know he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. People may doubt, they may ridicule, they may mock. They may even toy with the historical record. But when we look at the facts, the facts point to the certainty of the resurrection. There's three other things I want us to see and I'll close. The awful fact of his death. It was awful. It was horrendous. Most of us have probably seen Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of Christ. And as, as graphic as that is, it received an R rating because of how graphic it was. But church, the Bible says that his form was so marred that you couldn't even tell he was a man. I think the movie falls short of what Jesus really went through. But it does give us a, 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 an insight and a, a powerful picture to see of what he went through for us. In church, in verse 46, we read it, my God, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he gave up his spirit. In these cries, I want us to see that Jesus experienced horrible things 
so that when we go through difficult things and trials and temptations and horrible things, church, Jesus can meet us there having gone through these things and show us the way of victory. Are you with me? He came face to face with death. He came face to face with torture and trauma in his life. And it shows the humanness of Jesus as he was on the cross. It was manifested in his life. We see his, his, his human, you know, just like all of us, we struggle with things. And we see in this passage where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How many of us have ever encountered something so tragic, so difficult in our life that we felt like God had forgotten about us? That God wasn't there? And we said, Lord, where are you? And the truth is, the resurrection verifies. He said, I'm going to be with you till the end. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm right here. I'm working behind the scenes even when you can't see me working. And I'm working on your behalf. I'm thankful for that. So next time you're struggling and you're going through a trial or something tragic, remember Jesus will meet you there and He has gone through difficult things just like what you're experiencing. Aren't you thankful for that? Death is all around us. Death isn't only at the end of our life. I've noticed that a lot more with every year that's added. There's things that wear out. There's things that just start disappearing. (laughs) And death is real. We deal with it. But church, Jesus faced death and he conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. He removed the fear from it so that when we have those times that death is trying to seep in, death will try to seep into your marriage. It'll try to seep into your relationship with your teenager or your relationship at work. It'll try to to seep in in various different areas of our, our lives. But church, there is resurrection life that overcomes the death that tries to come against you. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? In Matthew 27, verse 66, it says, So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and posting the guard. I'm thankful that that stone was rolled away. I'm thankful that that angel appeared and he spoke and brought comfort to the ladies that were there. And you notice he didn't didn't address the guards at all. He just comforted those that belonged to Jesus. The fifth thing I want us to see, the religionist and the executioners were in awe. These two groups weren't believers. These two groups were the ones that were crucifying Jesus, that put it all together. And look what Scripture says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 54. 54. 
When the centurion and those with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they feared greatly and said, truly, he was the son of God. These were his executioners. They had a job to do. They saw everything that took place. They saw and heard what Jesus said from the cross. They saw the thorns placed on his head, his beard plucked. They, they spat in his face. They saw the, the spear pierce his side. And they heard from the cross, not a man who was arguing or, or, or crying out to God for help to save him, but they saw someone who had compassion and was looking at others. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How many realize that's not normal? Amen? They saw his concern for his mother. They saw his back beaten and, and the, the cat of nine tails, and it would wrap around and, and rip the flesh all over his body. They saw everything he went through, and he's saying, God, forgive them. And when they took all the facts into consideration and they observed Jesus and what he went through, the ultimate conclusion they came to was, this was the Son of God. This was the Son of God. The other group, the religionist, in Acts chapter 6 verse 7, Scripture says, a great number of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, what caused the change? Yes, they, they probably witnessed some of the same things, or all the things possibly, that, that the Roman guards had seen. But something else happened. It says in Scripture that the veil was torn, the veil that separated in the temple the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. It was four inches thick, this massive veil. It wasn't easily torn. I was told by one friend that you could take two D9 tractors and put them on both ends and they would try to tear it apart and they wouldn't be able to. But yet here we see it was torn and notice scripture says it wasn't torn from the bottom up. It was torn from the top to the bottom. Something took place in their lives when they saw that and they experienced that earthquake, it wasn't the earthquake that tore it. Because it would have ripped from the bottom to the top. But they took that as God speaking to them and saying, a new covenant has been established. Amen? There is now a way where there hadn't been a way. Now man doesn't have to go through all the ritualistic trappings of, of religion, but man can come boldly to the throne of grace with our petitions. Amen? We, we don't have to come through a pastor or through a religious leader. You can pray and talk to Jesus yourself. Amen? He's right there every moment of every day. He's with you in school. He's with you at work. He's with you out in the shopping center, wherever you go, out in the woods, while you're hunting. In fact, I love to meet Jesus while I'm hunting. He, 
He's always with us. We can come to him. All those trappings and all the religious things that they went through were all pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God. And they recognized a great number of the priests that were against him recognized he was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was the Lamb of God that paid the price for our sin. And he rose again and they worshiped him as God. I love that. And finally, the awesomeness of his resurrection. In spite of the, all the opposition from the religious leaders, in spite of the sealed tomb with the greatest power and authority in the world of that day, in, in spite of the guards, in spite of the political authority, in spite of the religious antagonism, in spite of all those things, there came a breakthrough of resurrection life. Oh, come on, we're celebrating today. And that same power, the scripture says, that brought Jesus up out of that tomb is the same power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in every believer's life. Amen. And Jesus ends his great commission. I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Church, we can celebrate the resurrection. And I could go on and on and on. There's so many more facts that concerning the resurrection. But the greatest fact of all is, church, a born-again life. I've met people that were just so bound in sin. And see Jesus set them free. I've seen those that had addictions to various things. I've prayed with many people about addictions and seen Jesus immediately just break it off of their life and they never went back to it. That's resurrection life. That's verification, church. That because he lives, we shall live also. Amen. I want you to stand with me today. And I want the worship team to come. And all those that are going to be baptized in just a minute, you can make your way out of the auditorium and make your way back to the baptistry. But I want to ask you a question today. Is the worship team begins to lead us. Church, I don't have any doubt in my life that Jesus is a resurrected Savior. Because I've seen the facts that took place and I've seen the facts that have taken place right in front of my life. I've seen young ladies come and they were hopeless and they didn't have a home. They didn't have a family. A family had kicked them out. They didn't know where they were going to get their next meal. They didn't know how they were going to make it. And they were just distraught. And I told them about Jesus. And I prayed with them. And at the end of that prayer, their countenance changed. God gave them an assurance and God was going to take care of them. And their lives were never the same. I've prayed with 
with the young ladies and young men that were bound in drugs years and years ago when we first came to Alaska. Melinda and I were working in the Kodiak Baptist Mission. And there were all kinds of students that were in that program. And we prayed with them. And today they're still living for Jesus. And some of them are Sunday school teachers. Some of them are, are working in their churches. The greatest evidence of the resurrection to me is what God did in my life and what I see Him do in the lives of others. Church, it's not about religion. There's plenty of religion in this world. We talked about it in the beginning. But church, every one of those religious leaders that started those 4,200 religions, every one of them is still in the tomb except Jesus. And the transformed lives. I've met people that were sincere. They were involved in another religion and they tried to live a moral life. They tried to adhere to what their scriptures taught them. But they were still uncertain. They were still miserable. They were, they were still dealing with the sin that had control in their life. They didn't have the joy unspeakable and full of glory that comes when you accept Jesus Christ. Church, I want to tell you, I've got joy. <laughs> I've got real joy in my life. That even in the hardest of situations, that joy is just there giving me strength. This morning, we're not going to go long, but I want you to bow your heads with me if you would. And I want you to be honest today. It's not about who you're standing around, who's next to you. I want you to talk to the Lord today. Is everything right between you and the Lord? And I'm not trying to embarrass anyone today. But Scripture tells us that if we're embarrassed about Jesus, He's going to be embarrassed about us before the Father, so to speak. If we deny Him, He'll deny us. I want to pray for you today, and I want to ask you a question. If you haven't made a decision for Jesus... I want you to just lift your head up and look at me and make eye contact with me because Scripture says, where any two agree is touching anything on earth, whatsoever they shall ask of the Father in heaven, it shall be done. And if you look at me and make eye contact today, you're telling me, yes, I'm coming in agreement with you, Pastor. I'm giving my heart and my life to Jesus. So as they begin to play, softly just make eye contact yes thank you yes thank you
Yes, thank you. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yes, thank you. If you mean that in your heart today, I want you to pray with me right now. It's not about any certain set of words or a certain prayer. But it's about being honest with God and saying, God, I need you in my life. Lord, come into my life. So I just want you to agree with me as I pray a simple prayer today. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. And Lord, I know that I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I know there's things in my life that I don't like and things that aren't right. And Lord, right now, this very moment, right now today, I give my heart and my life to you, Jesus. I ask you to cleanse me of all my sin. I ask you to fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that would empower me to live the life that you've called me to live. Lord, I invite the joy of Jesus to come into my life, knowing that you paid the price for my sin. And Lord, today I, I, I recognize, and Lord, I believe that you rose again the third day, that you ascended into heaven, and that you're at the right hand of God the Father. And Lord, because you are alive, you give me eternal life. Lord, I have my sins forgiven, and I know that I'm going to live forever with you. Jesus, I pray that everyone that prayed that prayer with me right now, that you would just come and touch their hearts and lives, that they would know without a doubt that you love them, that you're there for them, and that you are their Lord and their Savior, their very best friend. And I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to ask you just to stay for about five more minutes. We're going to baptize several people today. And Melinda's going to come and she's going to, to share just a moment. And I'm going to go and change because one of, the, one of the young men that's being baptized today is my grandson, Levi. And he, he asked... And he asked that his uh, big paw would baptize him. And uh, we have others, grandfathers, that are going to be baptizing children to death. Abel's grandfather is going to be baptizing him. And some parents are going to be baptizing their children. And so it's a great part of our celebration. So as I slip off to, to change clothes right quick, Melinda's going to share five truths with you about water baptism. Good morning again. As he prepares to do that, I was uh, thinking about the, the day that I made, my, myself made that commitment to God and asked him into my heart. And, uh, and then it wasn't long after that that I made the commitment to be baptized. And to be honest, I think about that day 
about being baptized so much more in the commitment and the change that made in my life. I've, as an adult, I've seen a lot of people that have come. They said, you know, I don't really know that I really did give my heart to Jesus. And when, for me, when I go, I've never questioned it. And one of the reasons is why, because I can go back to that day that I was baptized. And I know that it was a public commitment of faith. It wasn't just me at that point. That was when I was declaring to the world and everybody that was there, family, friends, and, and made that public commitment to faith. And that's what God commands us to do. In Matthew 28, Jesus commanded that we be baptized. Baptism also testifies of a new life. Our life has changed. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about that, that it's a public witness to identify us with our Christ us with the church his body but not only that but with the death that he did on the cross his burial and as today the resurrection as we celebrate it we're all identifying with that those are things that we declare in our life that we are a part of him when we make this commitment it also declares our allegiance to Christ we're putting him first we're putting ourselves on God's side we're declaring to the world that we are a part of this group that belongs to God the Father and acknowledging God as the headship over our life. Water baptism indicates the seriousness of our commitment to Him to walk in that newness of life that He has given us in, according to Romans 6 and 4. And last of all, it is also an act of obedience. We are commanded when we find Jesus and ask, ask him into our heart to be obedient to him, to be baptized. And, you know, we do those things and we get the blessing from it because God promises those that follow in obedience to his commandments, according to Deuteronomy 28, will be blessed. And even a step further than that, when you bring that blessing into your own life, you're also bringing it to the next generation when you share Jesus with your children in the next generation. And God promises a blessing to the thousandth generation for those that love him. So if you don't have that that's been handed to you, those eight or ten people that made that decision today, I just want to say welcome to the body of Christ. Welcome to those who love Jesus with all their heart. We welcome you a part of our family. There's a long-winded preacher back there. And it wasn't me. This is Levi. Levi Brown. And he's my oldest grandson. And Levi, have you made a commitment to Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior? You want to say anything? No? I'm going to baptize you, okay? So you turn right like this. Hold your nose. So you don't get water in your nose. Yeah. Good job. I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness 
our Savior's death and raised in the likeness of our Savior's resurrection to walk in the newness of life. the socks <laughs> so today I get to get baptized my fourth daughter Olivia Olivia I have some questions for you are you ready to talk in the mic she's ready have you accepted Jesus in your heart yes do you love Jesus yes he's pretty cool huh so why do, you, do you know why you want to be baptized? Is it the next step you want to take to, 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 to tell everyone that you're saved and you're ready to serve Jesus? Yes. Such good, simple questions and answers. So. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, in your confession of loving Jesus, I baptize you in submersion of water. You come up a new creation unto God. You ready? Take a breath. Good job. Let's go. Keep them coming. Somebody's pot roast is about to burn. Also, I'd like to announce that normally on Sunday nights we have. Uh, a prayer service and worship service and tonight due to Easter we're going to be with our families we're not having our normal Sunday night service this is Rachel our children's pastor say anything share your testimony no okay all right so have you accepted Jesus as your Savior Larry yes you have awesome all right so so can you hold your nose for me all right and then when I say you're gonna take a big breath okay all right upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Amber, we're so excited at what the Lord's doing in your life. And you, would you like to say anything about it? You love Jesus, yeah. He's your Lord and He's your Savior. Amen. You've committed your heart and your life to Him. Well, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of our Savior's death and raised in the likeness of our Savior's resurrection to walk in the newness of life.
thousand of you committed your heart to Jesus. Is he your Lord and Savior? Amen. Do you love the Lord? Upon your confession and faith as Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, okay? Buried in the likeness of our Savior's death and raised in the likeness of our Savior's resurrection to walk in the newness of life. Amen. just want to do this in remembrance of the Lord my Savior and to give him all the glory and to know him. That's it. Amen. Amen. Upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of our Savior's death and raised in the likeness of our Savior's resurrection to walk in the newness of life. said it's like a hot tub. Have you made a commitment to the Lord? Yes, sir. Is he your Lord and Savior? He's my Lord and Savior. Amen. It's my privilege to baptize you today. To baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of your Savior's death and raised in the likeness of your Savior's resurrection to walk in the newness of life. Baptizing Batman. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Yes. Okay. And then I'm going to baptize you. Amen. Okay. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good job, Abel. <laughs> Jade's an honor. What a glorious day. made a commitment to Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Anything you want to say about that? 
accepted Christ later, but never followed through in baptism and not following through in that. I knew there was other things I haven't followed in as well, and I need to be able to do that to lead my family. My daughter wanted to be baptized, and she wanted me to baptize her. I knew I had to take my step first. Amen. Amen. Jay, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of our Savior's death and raised in the likeness of our Savior's resurrection to walk in the newness of life. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Amen. Before you leave today, let me bless you. Let's bow our heads one more time. Father, we're just so thankful for what you've done for us, giving us your only son. Jesus, we thank you today. And Lord, we're so thankful that you didn't just die and remain in the tomb, but you conquered hell, death, and the grave through your awesome resurrection. And Lord, let us celebrate the rest of this day as we gather with friends and family. Let us remember what it's all about. That Lord, because you live, we can have abundant life. Because you live, we live also. Lord, we're never going to die permanently. We may walk through the veil of death for a second, but we'll be with you for eternity. And Lord, we just rejoice in that today. Father, bless each and every one that's here today. Bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Jesus. Jesus.